2: Hi everybody and welcome to the World Football Index Podcast. Joining us on the pod tonight, as usual, is my co-host Armando Angulo. How are you Armando, all good with you? I'm good Dave,
3: how are you doing brother? Excited to talk a little bit about Brazil tonight.
2: Oh me too, me too. And delighted to say we have joining us from Belo Horizonte, James Young, who's a local journalist down there. Very welcome to the pod James, how are you this evening?
4: Great thanks, great great. Pleasure pleasure to be on here.
2: We're delighted to actually have you on. Listen, to, to start off, um, we'll just stay with you. Maybe you can give us a sort of little resume of, of of what you do, who you write for and so on, what you're working on at the moment and, and your involvement in football down there in, in Minas.
4: Uh, yeah, sure, sure. I've been living in Brazil for the last, last just over 10 years, now in Belo Horizonte. Uh, I first arrived here in Belo Horizonte. It was my first port of call in Brazil 10 years ago. Then I moved up the northeast, spent uh, five or six years in, in Recife and, and João Pessoa, spent a year in Goiânia. Over the last few years, I've uh, been covering Brazilian football, covered the, the, the World Cup here as well, um, Write or have written for in the not-too-distant past, um, The Independent, The uh, Rolling Stone, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, Al Jazeera, uh, amongst a few other um, sites and, and, and publications.
2: That's cool, man. Just a, just a few local rags, <laughs> not <Nothing> the <they're> right <laughs>
4: home. <of. laughs> Listen,
2: I, 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 I'll bail straight into this. And, and I think the biggest story really that came out to come out of Brazil this week was uh, Ronaldinho Gaúcho's uh, departure from uh, from Fluminense. Uh, have you have you any info on that one, James? What, what, what's your thoughts on it? Because it was only uh, after three months. Uh, is this really the end for him? Do you think?
4: Well, I suppose would almost be the, the the first reaction these days because um I, I wrote two articles about uh, his last two moves one to uh, Queretaro if you've excuse my pronunciation I'm not 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 uh, not the best with Mexican clubs Queretaro uh, <laughs> there he goes Queretaro oh, <laughs> there fantastic you go. perfect fantastic. thank you perfect Queretaro and uh, then from an end both times were were fairly critical of um. His, his motives for moving uh his 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 form in recent years and 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 really what the what lay in store for the fans and the clubs and on both times the the sort of comment section of the, the the articles I was absolutely savaged for uh for daring to criticize Jardino. and on on both times unfortunately i like most were, were 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 proven right because he, he was he, before he moved to Querétaro, if that's that's a bit better, um, his brother conducted an auction that seemed like half the clubs in Brazil was talking going to India. There was a then, then when he finally made the move, he, he sort of said that he'd he wanted to play there. It'd been all his dream for to play in Mexico for many years, and it was the the, the warmth of the people that had drawn them there, which which clearly wasn't the case because he'd sort of tried to get deals with about twenty other clubs before going there. Uh, then then came back and without. Without any sort of sign that there was any kind of passion or, or, or football motivation behind his move to Fluminense, he, he, he rolled up back in Rio, looked fairly off the pace, uh, and spent most of his time on the bench. And I think probably just club and player after, after a few weeks, a couple of months, decided that, uh, that it wasn't working. I mean, he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game, but uh, his, his, his descent has been uh, precipitous. And then you can't help thinking he could still be playing. Had things gone another way, he could still be playing at a at a higher level.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, he's not the oldest in the world. Armando, do you want to tell us about what... Because I know you've spoken before in this pod about what happened to him in Mexico. Maybe you want to bring that into the equation. Yeah, in
3: Mexico he wasn't... Um... Really getting along with the manager down at Querétaro and he didn't get too much playing time. It felt like a forced move from uh, upper management and the owners and stuff to get him onto the pitch. And it actually cost the manager his job. Uh, Ambris was the manager who now coaches Club America, which is a big move for him. So he obviously is a good coach. He just uh, never really. It was him or Ronaldinho and the management went with Ronaldinho, which is a shame. But I wanted to ask you guys, because you guys are close to the situation down there. Uh, what do you guys think is next for Ronaldinho? Do you guys really expect him to keep playing? Other than like India and a short season like that, I, I don't really see uh, a future for
4: him in the game. I see it as being something something really uh, blatantly financial this time. Something like India or, or uh, maybe one of the Arab countries, the Arab leagues, for, for, for a huge paycheck. I, I don't think he can really cut it even at uh sort of mid-level leagues like 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 in Brazil anymore even i think even in the mls the mls is quite a physical quite a fast league for for its possible lack of um lack of ability in some areas it's, uh, it's it's quite physical i wonder wonder if it could even cut it cut it there anymore
3: no i think he'd be far off the pace for for yeah. mls yeah uh. yeah they would, he wouldn't get the space he needs, and he doesn't have much pace anymore. Exactly. Although he's yeah. good with the dead ball and he can deliver a good pass, but it's not enough for these leagues. And it was the same problem down there at uh, for Querétaro, So it would be the same issue, I believe. Yeah,
2: he did have a bit of a swan song, you know. I, I remember seeing him, you know, for for Atletico down there uh, in Minas, James, and mm-hmm. you, you know, I think that was two seasons ago, wasn't it? And, and there was still a touch of the old, you know. There was glimpses of of, of the real Ronaldinho there, but certainly from what I saw from from and in, in, in the three months that he was there, it was kind of a bright enough start, but it just sort of petered away to nothing.
4: Yeah, I, I was lucky enough, I think, and it was one well, still remains one of the big great highlights of football watching life to to have been in Belo Horizonte when he when he played at Atlético because. Uh, he was terrific. He was, he was playing in a team that was perfectly set up for him. He had uh, fast players all around him, like Bernard and Diego Tardelli. He had uh, struck up a terrific and <laughs> very unlikely partnership with with, with Joe, uh, and, and Joe suddenly discovered the form of his life when he was when he was feeding off Ronaldinho's crosses and, and and passes, and uh, they won the Libertadores, which which was the first trophy in, in 41 years, and uh, he's, he's absolutely idolised here. I mean, you, you you wouldn't find a word of criticism from any, any atletico supporter, he's seen as the man who, uh, who put the club on the map really, because it's it's always been a big club, but it's always been overlooked in the, in the glamour and the, the media stakes by, by Rio and, and, and Sao Paulo. So even when, when Alexandre Khalil, the president signed him, he said, uh, this signing shows that there's a proper football team on, on this side of the mountains. So it's clear a declaration of intent. And, uh, he fulfilled every expectation. He was he was he was terrific, and the fans loved him. And, and he seemed to really love the fans. That was a possibly The last time he seemed to be really motivated by football.
1: No,
2: I hear you on that. But you know, we, we see it quite a lot in the in, in the press here in Brazil. He, he's he's fond of a party or two as Ronaldinho, uh, and I think maybe that is. Would would you would you agree with me on that? That it's maybe played a part in in you know the decline, the so rat because there's still players. You know, he's only what thirty five, thirty six max. And, and you know yeah. there, there's players continuing on with that. Um, you know, I know there's, there's a chain of thought out there that the, the was it the 2006 World Cup was the end of it for him. After you know expecting to win, Brazil were expected to win that World Cup, and he was expected to be the star. That he never really recovered from that
4: uh, from that mm-hmm. blow.
2: But I think the lifestyle. You know, what, what would your thoughts be on that? The lifestyle has played a part in it.
4: Uh, certainly, that was, that was that was the case. Uh, when he was in Rio with Flamengo, that was, a, it was it. Was a, ended up a very uh, unpleasant kind of kind of end. There, the club didn't club ran into financial financial problems. One of their sponsors pulled out. They couldn't pay his wages. But at the same time, he was uh, uh, turning up late for training, missing training. And there's that, that famous story of where he was caught on camera sneaking uh, into a woman's room in a, in a hotel on, on the night. There was, was a team. I don't know why the, the, the hotel wasn't more isolated or, or, or just for the, for the club, but uh, you've seen creeping around the corridors in the early hours of the, the, the team hotel in a sort of pre Libertadores training camp. Uh, so that kind of showed you that um, all, all was not well. So maybe, again, maybe that was one of the reasons why it, it did work out in Belo Horizonte, because Belo is, is possibly not, not as exciting a, a city as Rio to, if, if, if partying is your, 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 your objective.
2: No, you sort of you sort of lack the coastal aspect there yeah. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. that that makes you know that, that, that's the attraction of Rio and, and certainly yeah. up around where I live and whatnot. It's, it's, it's all about the beach. You don't have that culture there, so I suppose that maybe did keep him that little bit more focused. Because certainly that from what we see in the media here, it's all about Ronaldinho and Copacabana or Ebenezer. You, you know what I mean? He, he he certainly does enjoy himself. Armando, do you want to add anything in there before we move on to the next part? No, man, I just think it's a shame that uh,
3: it's ended up like this Ronaldinho with so much talent and so much, you know, ability at his feet. And like you said, there's so many players that at his age still pushing on, you know, Gerard, Pirlo, and a lot of them nevertheless, David Villa and so on and so forth. And, and giving, you know, great performances still and, and good effort. And like James said, I think this is going to be, if he does play, it's going to be strictly financial. And it's a shame because that was a terrific footballer, and one of the best I've ever seen in my lifetime
2: yeah and and his brother his brother's his age and and you you know there was always the feeling and certainly it was put out in, in the media that you know the brother is very much all about getting the, the most money that he can the, the biggest deal that he can each time that he moves so you know what you guys are saying there about about the, the, those kind of leagues it, it sort of makes sense but listen we'll move on to to Syria in Brazil and James I just want to ask you First of all, you know, Corinthians leading the way, but it's Cruzeiro. Um, they're full from grace this year. You know, I know, I know that uh, they're a local club for you. What, what have you made of all that?
4: Well, it's, they sold off most of their, uh, their title winning team in, in the, the summer. And there was talk, I think the president admitted that uh, they had overreached themselves in, in terms of putting it together and the salaries they were paying. Uh, they sold Lucas Silva, went to Real Madrid. Ricardo Goulart went to, to China. And, uh, Everton Hiverta went to, to, can't remember which team it was, but it was a, it was a team from, from Arab football. Uh, so they lost most of the, most of their key players. Did they, the big centre back was, was injured and, and hasn't played this season. Uh, so they, and, and there's a classic story of, of, of Brazilian, of Brazilian football and, and, and not always being the most logically or the, or the, the most efficiently run. They, the club rebuilt by, by, by dining. Twenty, something like that. Twenty players, something like that, and, and, and including I think it was three or four left backs at one stage. And, and, and the manager Marcelo Oliveira, who's a, a terrific manager, who, who led them to two, two league league titles. Um, the, 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 the club, I, I interviewed a lot of people at the club just just before the season. They were going, No, we're building a team with uh, Levante Dori's experience. Our, our focus this year is the Libertadores. If you look at all our players, they're all winners. They've all played in Libertadores and uh, Marcelo Oliveira. Was, this great but we seem to have an awful lot of left backs or an awful lot of right backs we don't seem to have a creative midfielder i don't know a lot of these players i haven't signed them uh you know it's going to take a long time to to, to, to blend in well he got in terms of time he got the Campeonato minero which is fairly low standard for the first three or four months it only really matters um when when when, when atletico and Cruzeiro meet in the semi-finals or the final He got that. It's the
2: same throughout Brazil, really. With that, of course, of course. State championships are just poor.
4: Yeah, yeah. He got, he got that. He got first few rounds of Libertadores and eliminated uh, fairly embarrassingly at home. And he got four games in uh, the Brazilian state or the Brazilian national championship. That was the time he was given to to mold twenty or or so new signings into a into a a top team. So that's that's you know that's that's Brazilian football long-term planning for you. He was sacked after that uh, River Plate defeat, and they got in Vandele Luxemburgo, who was a successful coach, is now, now uh, a little bit past it, I think, in terms of his days his, and his, his work. It was disastrous. They, 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 they lost certainly more games than they won. They ended up very close to the relegation zone. Luxemburgo was, was sacked or, or left, and now they're, and they're probably slightly more capable Leadership of of Mano Manezes and they've, they've shown signs of recovery, but it's that it's that, that that ridiculously uh, quick turnaround and lack of lack of patience and and egos that 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 you see that that, that explains why a club in Brazil can go from being winning and playing great football and being looking set for a long period of success to the year the, uh, six months later being in a rele- relegation dogfight.
2: No, because they're tied. Whenever they were, whenever they won the title, they were playing some really nice football. You know, I, I, there's times definitely. I, so, there's times I really struggle with, with you know, because the pace here is so slow. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about Ronaldinho and, and and not being able to cut it in the MLS. It sort of, it, it, that sort of highlights just how slow the game is played here. Um, you know, so it's, it's almost like walking pace, and yeah. but. Cruzeiro that year were, were, they, they had a bit of spark about them. There was lovely passing movement with them and everything, and, and I'm just so disappointed that it's all gone because I was I was really really enjoying watching them.
4: No, well, I, mean, I think I think Marcelo Leveres is is, is, a, is a terrific terrific coach and uh, possibly a little naive defensively. A lot, a lot, tends to leave a lot of space, and, and, and his new team Palmeiras have just been beaten five uh, one by Chapo Quensi this evening. So that, that, that kind of gives you the idea that his teams can. Can can concede goals. I also think if you put uh, someone created a, the mutant offspring of Marcel Oliveira and Titi at Corinthians, who's a, a really well organised, pragmatic coach who gets his teams playing as a, as a real unit and are strong defensively. If you put those two together, Marcel Oliveira's attacking flair and uh, and, and and Titi's a defensive organisation, you'd have a, you'd have a terrific manager.
2: Yeah, and, and another team as well. You know, the last time we covered Brazil on this pod, um, Fluminense were—I think were 2nd or third in, in, in the league, and they've fallen off the face of the earth as well. That you know that they seem to have just gone downhill.
4: Mm-hmm. I, th- I think. Yeah, I think there's, there's a pretty less less mystery involved with Fluminense. I, th- I think, I think that that was a very inflated position. I don't think they they were ever that great. They, they 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 lost their chief sponsor, the the, the healthcare company Unimage, health and health insurance company. And that that company basically ran the club for, for had run the club for, for for many years, so their, their 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 wage budget was slashed massively, and and they ended up with a collection of of, of young players and, and a couple of you know solid solid experienced pros like like Freddy and 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 uh, Goom the, the the central defender and a few others I think, uh, but they were never they were never um, things tend to get very people get very excited in Brazil. You could Flamengo a few weeks ago Flamengo were we're on the march, and they were going to possibly win the league. They were—they were never going to win the league. they are they you know, they are they they are a work in progress. They're a decent side, but they'll finish, you know, seventh or eighth, possibly possibly sixth, and that—that that is their their. What what's the, what's the expression? Reverting to the mean.
2: It's. it's or yeah. as we say, as we said, it, par. It's par. Par, <laughs> it's been, par. Exactly. Par. Yeah. Par position. Yeah. And, and another weird one. And I don't know whether you have any info on this one because I sort of follow Vasco. And, you know, what happened, you know, from the last podcast we did in Brazil, like, I think we've had so like four new managers since then. Yeah. It was like this crazy, crazy, crazy merry-go-round of managers. Um, that just defied logic, really, uh, in, in in you know in the real world of football, not the crazy world of Brazil. It defies logic. They might have managed as they went through in such a, sw- a short space of time, and it has it, it all. It has done like are second bottom of the league at I the moment, They're coming back again. They're only just promoted again uh, this season from from Serie B, and by the looks of it, they're heading back again. Yeah.
3: I had a question, actually, for both of you along the lines of managers. And uh, Juan Carlos Osorio and what he's done at Sao Paulo uh, with that team, having him in fifth place and, and you know, you know fighting for position in that table and stuff and his possible departure to the Mexican national team, something that I'm following closely because, you know, I'm Mexican and, and he's going to be the national team coach. It seems like he's the favorite right now. What are your thoughts on that, James?
4: Well, uh, it, it certainly seems... He's talked very, very enthusiastically about the possibility of, go, of going to, to, to coach Mexico. And he's had a, a very turbulent relationship um, with, uh, with Sao Paulo ever since he's arrived. As soon as he arrived, basically, a couple of weeks later, they sold uh, a number of key players. And he immediately said, I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't trust this club anymore. I don't trust the directors. Uh, he's a, he's a, he, I think he's a terrific coach from from, from his work in uh working in, in Colombia and elsewhere. Um, but, but he's the kind of coach who needs to be in charge, and that's not all in Brazil, where the direct, the eagles of directors are, 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 are enormous. He'll be, he's, he's changed his team a lot. He, he likes to do, a, you know, work on a rotation kind of basis, with make a lot of changes every week, keeping players fresh and, 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 and using, using different formations for different situations. Fans don't, in Brazil don't, don't particularly like that. They want to see their best team out there every week. The team has been spectacularly inconsistent. I mean, there, there's some, some hilarious results going from, from, from terrific performances to, to, to disastrous defeats. So it's a very, very volatile situation. I, I, I think he'll, he'll probably uh, probably leave. He doesn't seem particularly happy. The fans, I think, are I think they will they're, they're be keen to give him time. To, to they're aware he's a good coach and that he could do something really you know, worthwhile long term. But, 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 but long term isn't 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 something you get very often in Brazil, as we mentioned earlier. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he, if he headed to, to, to the Mexican national team.
2: Yeah, it
4: looks like it's Go going ahead. to be that way. Sorry about that, Dave. Yeah. Go ahead, man.
2: No, I'll say we're going to swing across now to, to, to something maybe a little closer to, to, to both our hearts, James, Serie B. <laughs> yeah. And for, for for opposing ends of the table, Botafogo lead the way, uh, followed by Vitória, And then we have a team called Santa Cruz. Do you want to talk us through that a little bit?
4: Yeah, well, I was, I was either lucky or unlucky enough to, 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 to fall for Santa Cruz when I, when I moved to Recife in it was 2006 or 2007. Um, I'd been aware of them when I was in Belo Horizonte, my first year here. Uh, that year they were in, in Serie A in the first division. They ended up being relegated that, that, that first year. My first year in Recife, they were in Serie B. They were relegated that year as well. The next year, they were also relegated from uh, from City C to City Day, which had uh, it seemed almost like it was a, a plot had been uh, newly created that year, almost to, to 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 create another division for them to be relegated into. They then spent uh, three years in the fourth division uh, before fighting their way back up, and this is now now their the third in 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 City Bay, and it's their highest position since. Since 2006, uh, I mean, this this story in itself probably wouldn't be that remarkable. But what 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 makes it remarkable is that Santa have a one of the longest suffering and and possibly largest and most loyal fan bases in the country. When when they uh, when they were in SETI Day, I think that their second year possibly in the fourth division, they had an average crowd of, of almost 40,000. When they were promoted, That's remarkable. Yeah, when they were promoted from fourth division to. The third, and then the third to the second. Both the the finals of those games was was uh, watched by over sixty thousand. Um, I've I've been at sort of several sixty thousand crowds in their 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 um, stadium Ahuda, in, in Recife, and I've seen them take 15,000 to two away games. It really is a it's been a remark, It's a remarkable story. Their their their, uh, their 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 collapse, and and yet the, the massive crowds that they've attracted during that period, particularly in Brazil, where, as we know, fans don't tend to be particularly loyal and, and, and averages don't tend to be particularly high.
2: No, I hear you on that because, you know, I, I'm at the opposite end of the table with ABC. Yeah. And, you, you know, it looks like now both Natal clubs uh, will be in, in Serie C uh, for, for the next season, which is, you know, considering that the, stadium, the stadium that was built there and, you know, for, for the city, for both the clubs to use, it, it, it is a disaster because, on average you know even the frascarao which is the home ground of ABC, you know for 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 a run of the mill game you're talking 5 to 6000 you know okay the Classicals, you, you you're up to 8, you know 18 to 20000 but that and that's you know a city derby whenever i hear you talk about you know santa cruz and, and you know, 60000 40000 you know it's it's, it's what it's, that's what brazilian football should be and, and, you know, I'm looking at ABC here at the moment and, and I just don't see a way back for them this season. I think I think they're relegated already, even with sort of uh, eight or nine games to go. I just don't see a way back for them. The, the quality of football, they were beaten 3-1 last night and, you know, I watched it on TV. They were awful. They were awful. And, and that has been sort of the theme of the, of the, of the whole season. I've actually, you know, it's, a, it's a sort of a 100-kilometre drive for me to go to the games. And so, the, you know, the football has been so uninspiring I just haven't felt up to, to, to be making that journey, you know, the 200 kilometre uh, return journey to go to them. Um, as I said, really, the last uh, it was one of the classicals in, in the state championships was the last time I was there. And, um, you know, I, I just sort of worry. Given the fact that I've spoken to, to America supporters here who who blame their relegation on the fact that it was the new stadium and the overheads of operations for games uh, are taking away their revenue from from you know the low gates anyhow because there would be the same five to eight thousand uh, would be an average crowd for them and whenever you're you whenever you're on the, the arena das dunas it's costing you a lot of money. To, to, yeah. to, to, to run those games. Um, and these new stadiums, we, uh, do, is this isolated, James, or do you see this in other parts of Brazil as well, that, um, you know, these new stadiums are, are, are hurting them?
4: It's, it's, it's sad because um, the new stadiums have been relatively successful in, in the south and the southeast, which is the more, more prosperous part of Brazil where there's more money to go around. And you've seen that uh, if there's a successful team like Cruzeiro winning the league, Palmeiras, when they were going well this year, Corinthians. You've seen that that there's a a business model that exists. Fans will pay to watch. Brazilian fans won't watch a bad team. They will pay to watch a good team. So if the team's playing well, they can charge. The club can charge uh, astronomical prices, ticket prices, and the the new stadiums provide safety and comfort. That means their middle-class fans will happily pay those prices and, and, and go to the games. That then puts the clubs in a position where they can offer socio or membership packages to, to to fans which gives the club a monthly income and the fans are attracted to those because they get discounts on the tickets so they get half price tickets so it makes sense for everyone to it's, it's a virtuous cycle uh unfortunately in the northeast um that hasn't happened you, you mentioned both teams from natal will possibly be in in, in say next year same thing could happen in 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 fortaleza with fortaleza are trying to get out of Seti say Sierra are trying to stay in City Bay. But at the moment, there's a possibility that both could be in, in, in the third division again next year. The Arena Pernambuco in Recife, uh, they, they planned on getting Santa and Sport and Nautico to play play all their home games there. Um, now that both Santa and Sport have their own their own sit- stadiums in the city, their fan base is generally working class. Their fans are used to walking, getting the bus, riding their bikes, whatever, to, 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 to the games paying cheap tickets to, to, to out of town stadium that says you get to on public transport. Then I we'll, we'll we'll stay where we are and, and now because the only club that have moved there and not don't attract big crowds and we're ruined in in mid table in so there. So the man book was struggling. Um we know about the, 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 the stadium in Manaus that so there just isn't the football there to, 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 to um so there was kind of the hope that the northeastern stadium this football there might bring in rent. Unfortunately, it, it's fits its same where, in the more, in fact, more, more, well, the stadiums have worked in the northeast. They've been managed uh, and they've been let down by the clubs and the clubs haven't been properly. And, and uh, like, like like I said, use the word virtuous cycle or circle or whatever it is. In the southeast and in the northeast, it's the, the vicious circle. Of, of a of, of failure continuing.
2: No, I, I, and, you know, it, it is quite depressing. If, if you look at Santa Cruz's Santa Cruz's run-in, James, do, do you mm. think that, you know, is it favourable to them, um, you know, the remaining games? Would you, would you be confident of them holding on to the top four or do you see danger for them?
4: It's, uh, they're, they're, I think their last five games, they've got Botafogo who are the leader, they've got Bahia who are sixth and they have, uh, their last game is, is Vitoria who are, who are second. Um, so it's going to be tough, but then this, this is possibly the great thing about Bay this year. There are, I'm just looking at the table now. There are seven teams within 10 points of each other, and five of those are from the north or the northeast, all of whom attract big crowds. So they're all going to be play, playing each other. On, so you've, you've kind of got a little uh, really highly competitive uh, league going on. And if, 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 those, if those teams, like Santa Cruz, like Bahia, like Paisandu, like Sampaio Kohea, if they, they, they continue to stay in the mix, they, they, those 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 games will be their last last few games of the season, the home games, they'll all be pulling in forty and fifty and sixty thousand. There will be it'll be fantastic if that happens.
2: Wow, because you know that, that's that's amazing. You know, I, the, the numbers that you're talking there. You know, I know the Northeast normally does get quite good attendance, but Natal doesn't. Um, I'm not. i just a fact of life, and um, and you know you talk about uh, both teams in Fortaleza and not that, that Arena Castelao. I've been there three times. it's the most beautiful stadium you'll ever you'll ever you be think? in. It's it's massive and beautiful, and to think of of not having top level football in there, it's just it yeah. really is unthinkable. You know, to me, it's the nicest stadium in, in Brazil. Maybe Bar the mm-hmm. Maracana, certainly certainly the ones that, that were built. I certainly think the stadium of Fortaleza is by far the nicest. Uh, Armando, have you any questions there? You're quiet on it.
3: <laughs> no, man, I'm just enjoying this conversation you two are having. It's uh, very uh, insightful for me, so I'm just soaking it all in.
2: Listen, I'll, I'll, in that case, we'll move on. This proposed breakaway, James, um, in, in, in Brazil by the, by the Rio clubs and, and, and yourself and Minas, and I think it's Rio Grande do Sul for, for the Campeonato Sul or whatever they're going to call it, well, what, have, what have you made of all that? Is, is this a direct challenge to the state championships? Is this the modern the, the beginning of the modernisation of Brazilian football, or is it just another false dawn?
4: I think that the, the possibly the beginning of, of, of something big. It's not something big in itself yet. It's going to start next year with I think six six rounds of fixtures, and teams, and it's teams from the South Porto Alegre, uh, sorry, um, uh, Rio Grande do Sul, and and Paraná, uh, teams from Minas Gerais and, and the two teams from Rio, uh, who've broken away from their own, their own federation. It's, it's great because it's, uh, it's the clubs working together. That's, that's, that's the positive step and not, not being, being, uh, directed by the CVF, which as has now been proven by over, over the events of the last few months is, 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 a, is, is a, is a, a, a proof organization is. It's always been slothful and and, and incompetent and generally generally useless. But now um, with the FBI organization and and the other things that have gone on FIFA, scandals and so on, we've seen the top the last three presidents of the CBF are are, are basically all in the firing line of of, of having been involved in in, in scandal and corruption. Um, So you've got the clubs finally doing something about it and, and forming their own association and I'm talking about making changes. I don't think it's the, the, the it's too to get, to get really excited. First of all, because, um, the, it's going to run a championship. So it's not, it's not replacing the state championships. So on one level, it's more games, which is the last thing that Brazil, Brazilian football needs is, is more games. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is that the people involved, I mean, when we had the revolution, as, as, as it's, as it's called in, in England, um, It was clearly a financial operation and it was was for profit and so on, but but to a certain extent, I suppose, it was for the good of the game, if if not for the fans, certainly for the good of the the, the brand of the Premier League anyway. And those clubs are generally run by competent businessmen and and competent football people. People talk about the the clubs taking over in Brazil and whilst they're probably preferable to to the CBF, you've got some... Not not the most admirable people in the world involved. Like you mentioned Vasco, your club before, Eureka Miranda. Thankfully, he's not involved in this um, this, this organisation yet. He's, a, he's a, a a deeply repellent individual. He's the one who, in, in, in a key Vasco game, I think in the 80s or 90s against Sao Caetano, there was a, a stadium collapse, one of the terraces collapsed. Vasco needed to win and the ambulance and the, the, the security staff were sort of dragging people away on stretchers. And his quote was, uh, his quote was, get these fucking ambulances out of here. You know, so this, this is the kind of kind of person <laughs> you're dealing with. You, you've got you've got Gil Van Pinheiro, who is the, 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 the president. But, of James, is, 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 is it not just
2: like, you know, we're foreigners living in this country. And, you know, life is just so cheap that it's scary. And that just that just highlights it, that just words like that just highlight Absolutely. my thought here. It's just life. is just so cheap.
4: Absolutely, and, and even Absolutely. at that, Absolutely. even at
2: that level, even at that level, it exists. And uh, sorry to interrupt
4: you, far, far ahead. Oh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a really good point because because there is a, there is a wide ratio. People like that, like this, like these presidents who are men of men of power and influence. They're they're, they're, they're they're contempt for for everyone, including from the fans to 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 their own players to their managers. Going going back to Cruzeiro again, when Marcelo Lavezzi complained about the the, the lack of uh, his lack of involvement in the. In the, the new team that Cruzera were signing for him, uh, the, the director said to me, "Marcelo needs to stop complaining and remember that he won the league with the team that Cruzera built for him." So, so again, contempt for 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 a coach, contempt for players, contempt for fans. These these are not uh, the, the the guy who's leading the league is is uh, Alexandri Khalil, who was the the Atletico president, who um. Who of the authorities in this scene? Who is revered to a certain extent here in Belo Horizonte He talks about uh, the club is my club. I wouldn't spend my money on this player. It's the, it's the, the massive overriding egos that, that have uh, that have caused so many problems for Brazilian football in the future, and that will now have to be harnessed and will work for the common good to try this 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 new league and this breakaway from CBF. So, in one way, it's it's, it's positive and it's admirable. On one way, I, I would have serious doubts about a lot of things involved.
2: No, absolutely. And, you know, the history of corruption and, and the openness of corruption in this country, you know, throughout. I'm, I'm just curious to see your thoughts on this one because certainly whenever I, I, I picked up on this one, I, I, I almost sense that these clubs uh breaking away since you know they just smell a bit of weakness in the cbf at the minute with all that has come out but with fifa and 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 your mantex era there's been a lot has gone on and i think the clubs are sort of looking at it now here's here's a little fracture a little crack in the surface that we can we can jump into and you know make it bigger and make brazilian football maybe better and get away from this this negative image that, that, that the cbf have around the world now which you know in the last sort of six months things have not gone particularly well for them. And I just feel it's, it's just almost like that weakness these teams want to exploit and, and maybe build a better CBF.
4: Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, definitely. I, I think it's part of a, maybe it was a slightly longer process that started, or, or at least was, was one of the key points was, was the clubs breaking away and doing their, own, uh, doing their individual TV deals. And that was, that was a few years ago. Then came new stadiums. Then came the the the, the, uh, the idea of football, football modernizing, football becoming more middle class, football becoming the, the money that was available to these clubs. Because until recently, they've all played in old stadiums. Again, these Cruzeiro directors, which I really should stop mentioning because they don't didn't deserve quite so much airtime. But um, one of them said to me quite recently, which was an interesting point, said Brazil is one of the only uh, major leagues in the world, where wealthy people stay at home and watch on TV, and working go to the stadiums. And just a few years ago, that was that was very much the case. There was a fear of violence. The stadiums weren't weren't safe or comfortable. The middle classes wouldn't go anywhere near the stadiums. They they which tend to be filled with with torcido organizadas and 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 poor fans who would pay cheap tickets. There's more money in Brazilian football now. The World Cup is. Sh- the, the, the middle classes can be drawn back if you if you have a some product and, and a comfortable place to watch it, and I think there's been a growing awareness that that uh, possibly as well the exposure that um, the, the the European leagues and the, the Champions League have got on television, uh, Brazil has started to look look abroad and say, well look why why are things so bad? Why are things so bad here? And look at that, look at the Champions League final look how spectacular it is look how awful. Our product our our football is, so I think there's a there's a longer ongoing ongoing process that that involves all these things, but yeah certainly the the, the weakness at the c b f has given the clubs confidence to 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 take things into their own hands
2: How do you see it going forward do you think, do you think this is going to take off do you you know for example they go, they run with it and they get it working do you see the other the other states going? Hang on, let's jump in the bandwagon here. Let's do something on our own. Do you think there'll be a catalyst to to, to for, for for you know for for the rest of Brazil to jump aboard and go? You know, screw the CBF. We're going our own way.
4: Well, they they already it started uh, in a slightly different direction in the in the, in the northeast and also in 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 the Midwest and the North, which both have their own regional tournaments: the Cup of Nordeste and the Cup of Verde, or the the Green Cup, which is the one for the. The Midwest and, 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 the North. But those are, those two are, sort of, are basically CBF, CBF tournaments. So to a certain extent, the, the South, Minas and Rio League is, is more of a breakaway. I, I think the clubs in the Northeast and, and, and the rest of the country wouldn't have the financial, the financial clout or, 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 or sense of development or infrastructure to, to, to form their own league work i mean the the the, the this, this southern league that you're talking about is could be a catalyst
5: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds
3: salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom
4: worked for me
3: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
5: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: To to, to greater change. At the moment, it's kind of a halfway house. They they went this week and they asked for the approval for CVF. But then almost immediately after, they said, what's going to happen if we... So they're still going through the motions that that it's a CBF tournament, or that it's at least approved by sanctioned by the CBF, whilst sort of saying, "Well, no, this is the start of a, a breakaway Premier League-style operation." So it's, it's it's almost like they haven't quite got the the, the confidence to, to to move out of home. You know, it's almost like uh, when you do move out for the first time, you still take your washing back home to to get it done by your mum. It's still like a little bit like that. There. They're they're not quite standing on their own two feet, but but, but certainly it certainly could be a catalyst, and it could, could could as you say, spread possibly around Brazil. It would, it would take take would take a while. I think it's just not something that's going to happen overnight.
2: No, well we know that Brazil sort of trundles along at tortoise pace, and, and you know change happens here so so slowly. Armando, for you, have have you anything you want to add in there? You anything you want to ask James?
3: First off, what the end result is going to be, if the CBF disbands or they they have a new, you know, federation? Or or do you think that uh, maybe each, you know, region becomes more independent? What do you see happening on the overall and how long do you really think it'll take?
4: Within the next 5, 10, 15 years maybe? Yeah, it's very hard to put an exact date on it, but but I I would say it'll take a a number of years to to, to make any any real Real progress because Brazilian football, for one, tends to be very, tends to be very fractured, um, and there tends to be a lot of infighting amongst the clubs and people being, people feeling slighted and overlooked and so on. For example, the, the clubs in the northeast would be very suspicious of anything that involves the 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 clubs in the south and the southeast because they they think that, that, that those clubs are favoured by Globo and the CBF and that they're they're excluded and overlooked and ignored. So and especially with the egos involved, you can see lots of uh, potential pitfalls along the way. And uh, this is something that's happened before. In 1987, um, a number of clubs formed uh, something called the Clube or the Club of 13. Uh, and that, for, for a year or so, had its own kind of breakaway league, generally due to the fact that the CVF was struggling to, to organise its own. Um, and the, 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 that championship in 1987 is still disputed today with Flamengo and Rio saying that they won it, they were part of the Breakaway League. And uh, Sport from Recife saying they won the official league and they're their champions. So those two still, I mean, that's one rivalry in in Brazil that that it's quite hard to see those two ever deciding anything together because they'll they'll all bring it back to to 1987. Um, That that group then became, uh, rather than a Breakaway League, became a, a negotiating body, which effectively... Our membership for any clubs that weren't in the in the, the club of thirteen, which which uh, had expanded to sixteen by that time. Just a very quick example: there was a, a situation in in, in the nineties, uh, or sorry, in the nineties, where uh, Náutico, when they were the team from Recife, when they were in the first division, they earned less in TV money than Guarani, who were at that time in the third division, but were a member of the old uh, group of thirteen, so they still had their their kind of favoured status. So there'll be a lot of complications along the way before progress is made, but, it, but it's a start.
2: No, well, hopefully, I and mean, you, can, you can just imagine the, the petulance between the two clubs, the, you know, that whole Brazilian petulance thing. No, I want it, I want it. You can just imagine the whole nightmare that that was at that time. Listen, Armando, do you want to add anything else? In? Sorry I interrupted you. No, man, you're good. Thank you,
3: James. I appreciate that. That, that. That's a good answer. And I think, like you said, it's going to take quite some time because that's a big step, you know, but... Hopefully it's for the betterment of the game down there and, and whatever grows the game in a positive direction around the world is probably what's best. Exactly, exactly. No, it,
4: it, it, is, it is positive. I think, I think you, just to reiterate, there is, there is more commercial financial awareness. There is, there is an awareness now that things can't carry on as they have been carrying on. So, so maybe that will, that will focus minds and, and, and some progress will be made.
2: No, that's cool. Listen, we had a question. Jack was meant to be joining us from Buenos Aires this evening, but, but of course he couldn't make it. But I had a question for you, James, and I, I don't know the answer to it either, so I'm quite curious in on this one myself. Um, it, it's, it's about Brazil changing its qualification process for the Copa Soto Americana. Um, he, he was concerned that there was clubs coming from Brazil he'd never heard of. And, and what was the, the mechanism for, for qualification and what had changed in recent years?
4: right um well that's it, it's, it's tied into the to the conversations we've been having about the uh the northeast and the north and the struggles of football in that region um the the Sul americana was always uh the kind of teams that that, that like the, like the uh europa league the teams that didn't make it into the, the champions league stroke libertadores would would go into the um into the copso americana uh that changed in, I think it was 2000, yeah, 2014 was the first year where the Copa Nordeste, Cup of Nordeste the, 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 the regional competition for teams from the Northeast, that was given a uh, Copa Sudamericana Americana qualifying place as a way of, 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 of valuing the, giving, giving value to the competition. It's a really successful competition. That's a, the perfect example of, of, of fan power in the, in, in the Northeast. The final will be watched by, by, by a crowd of 60 or 70,000. Um, the sponsor, the TV, and the sponsorship money from Esporte Interativo, the, the channel, which is now the channel that's incidentally bought the uh, the, the Champions League rights over here, um, they they pay uh, a lot of money for the TV rights. The, the sponsorship and the, the prize money is great, so it's a real shot in the arm for, for for football in the Northeast, which is one of Brazil's poorest regions and where the clubs traditionally really struggle to compete with with the teams from Rio and Sao Paulo. So as a further boost to the competition and to stimulate football re- in the region, they gave uh, a place to um, to the winners of that, of that competition in the, in the Copa Americana. That is then extended to the team that wins the Copa Verde or the, or the Green Cup, which is the regional competition for the North and the Midwest of Brazil. And I think that is the uh, that's probably the team that he's saying Jack is saying he's never heard of, the team from Brasilia who are we are really a, a, a tiny little club that they're going to call. Um, one of these teams, one of these teams that people hold up when they say, why on earth did they build a, this, this, this enormous palatial stadium in, in, in Brasilia? Because the, the local teams there can barely pull barely pull in a thought. But last year they, they, they did really well and they, they, they beat a lot of bigger teams from, from the north and the midwest of the, 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 the country. To win the uh, the of Verde, and as a result, they uh, they, they qualified for the Copa Americana. So, but but I mean, most people in Brazil would uh, would struggle to to, to to tell you who they are. I mean, and I'm not sure. I don't think they play. They certainly don't play in the top three divisions, and I'm pretty sure they they don't even play in the fourth division. Yet they're in sort of in, in the later stages of continental competition. So it's pretty interesting. It's it. said.
2: It's a devaluation, nearly. You know, put it put in a small team like that through um, off the cup uh, of. You know, obviously, you know we, we, it's well known that the stadium in Manaus. Although that that sounds quite promising, that that uh, that the small team has been able to get there. Number one, maybe you know the building of the new stadium, maybe football might take off there. Maybe a little bit more interest in it. But do you not feel uh, the Sudamericana sort of is devalued a little with a team like that going into it?
4: Possibly, possibly. But it's always been a strange competition. I mean, you've, you've got teams playing, because now there's a, there's a, there's a further wrinkle in Brazil where uh, if you get through to the later stages of the Copa do Brasil, you can't play in the Copa Sul Americana because there's a fixture clash. So you mm-hmm. would get teams from, right, from almost just above the relegation zone in the, in the, in the, in the top flight playing in the Copa Sul Americana. So the field was never particularly strong to begin with. And uh, if there's a slight devaluation, I think it's certainly made up for by the fact that Brazilian football desperately needs, desperately needs to 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 boost to become stronger in the regions away from the south and the southeast. You, you know yourself that the first division this year, there is a uh, one. There's two clubs from outside uh, the south and the southeast. One is Goiás in the middle in, in in the Midwest, and the only team in the northeast, which is a region of 60 million people, the only team from that region. Is, uh, is sport who are in in the top flight. The rest are, are in City Bay or City C Se, or City D. So so something needs to be done to to to, mm-hmm. to improve football in those regions. Um, they're, 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 those places. One of the the reason there's plenty of football fans in Brasilia. The reason why the stadium is, is always empty is because all those fans support mm-hmm. Flamengo or, or Corinthians or Sao, Sao Paulo or Vasco and that's, that's historical going back from uh, Brasilia is a very new city, it's only, it was only built in the 1950s, 60s, and so, and everyone who lived there, most people who arrived there already had a team, so there's, there's, there's very clear reasons why, why no one supports teams in Brasilia, Mm -hmm. and a competition like this will hopefully give, give local football in, in in those regions a a boost, because Mm -hmm. at the moment it's a very unhealthy situation where, 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 uh, sort of, a small percentage of the land mass of the country down in the south and the southeast is home to, to eighteen out of twenty first division clubs.
2: Yeah, it's kinda mad. And and you know, as I say, cer- certainly up here, even even where I am, you know, Sport Recife is, is huge, you know, uh, the majority of people that live in People, um, sort of Brazilians that live in people, are are originally from Recife and they're all Sport Recife mad. i uh, say so the guy lives across the road from me, he used to he was he was a player for sport. Um, and I say they're they're just mad about them, but, but you know you look at it and, and you look at especially the likes of Fortaleza. There, you, you you know it's a big city, mad football city, and and they just don't have the, the teams in the top tier. And do, do you think it is because the region is super so poor? James? You know, you've lived up here as well, obviously in Chapeco and, and, and Recife. Do, do you feel it is just the, the poorness of the region, the poverty of the region that, that holds that, that holds these teams back?
4: I think it's. I think it's. It's. It's two things. I think. It, I think it, that, that's the financial uh, is, 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 it is is huge. A huge challenge. Um. Not just because. No. No. because the poverty of the region spins over. Is it means you can't charge expensive tickets. It means your sponsorship deals are are a fraction of what they are in the south and the southeast. It means your local TV deal deals. Or a fraction of what they are in the South or Southeast. It means, uh, I spoke to a lot of people at Santa Cruz once about, about this, uh, I did an article for the, for the Blizzard magazine about the struggles of the Northeast. And he always said that, uh, one of the directors told me, he said, it's, 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 the Northeast has always had one or two decent teams, competitive teams in, 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 in the top flight. So that's like, even that's fallen away in recent years. Um what you need to, 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 to mount a sustained campaign is to have two or three teams from the same state pushing each other on. You saw that in Belaruzansh with, uh, with 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 uh, uh, Atletico winning Dodgers with Ronaldinho. The next year, Cruzeiro go out and spend hugely the national championship, sending Julie Baptista who brought him to the car, the, the pitch in an armored car, and gets out to, to to enormous fanfare. So one team pushing the other team on, attracting investment, attracting attracting sponsorship, pushing up TV prices. That the the kind of again the the snowball effect that the, the, that means you could build long-term success. Otherwise, you, you've seen a, over over history, sport have had strong teams in the past. Uh, Santa Cruz had a terrific team in in, in the 70s. They, they challenged for the league title a couple of years. Bahia have had strong teams in their history, but without two or three strong teams to give you that impetus, they tend to fall away. So it's financial first of all. Also, you, 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 they, they can't play their violins too much because if Brazilian football is, is, is kind of can be archaic and, and, and shambolic in, in the south and the southeast, it's, it's, it's that and more some in the northeast, with, with, with often even more amateur directors and, and, and even less patience and even less infrastructural and organis- organizational planning. So the, club, the clubs have to, to accept some kind of some kind of uh, blame for the situation themselves. But uh, but I would say the the financial financially they just can't compete with the South and South You look at their 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 squads. The 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 stars at the best player or most top scorer this year is is, is André. He's he's on loan from Atletico Minera He was he was sort of third or fourth choice here. He, he would not have got a game all, all year. Uh they their their the most famous player then was Diego Sosa, who is has, has reached the journeyman stage after after you know, spending his best years at that bigger clubs in the south southeast. east. See you see very clearly that the, the quality no one no one in the northeast is signing uh Paulo Guerrero or, or or Lucas Prato or or uh, any, of, any of the big players in the in the south and southeast. It would be unthinkable.
2: No, absolutely, and and I think what you said there as well about you know two two teams in the same state challenging each other, I think what you know it it translates perfectly in reverse, if you will, to, to the situation here in Natal at the moment with America R N um, being relegated last season, and then without without that impetus of having that 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 local. Rivalry in the league Where's ABC gone? ABC are joining them now in Series C So I think yeah. that can, can translate both ways Basically I think from what, you, what, you, what you've said there it certainly, it certainly looks that way Because for me the league this year the, the, Certainly the people who support ABC and America Without the classical to keep things going it, the, the league feels very stale this year uh, here in Natal. Uh, there's there's certainly not the same excitement, the same buzz about football in Natal than the you know would it, would have been apparent in, in past years whenever both were in the same league.
4: Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, this and uh, this, this is this is one of the great areas of football, isn't it? In that uh, it's driven by passion and rivalry, both of which are not exactly conducive to 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 long term rational planning and 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 growth for example here in in Belo we, we talked about Cruzeiro earlier Every Atletico fan i know would would almost would almost prefer to see Corinthians win the league and Cruzeiro get relegated rather than see Atletico win the league when we are they would they wouldn't see Atletico win the league but they would give anything anything to see Cruzeiro get relegated and i think you don't think, you don't understand Cruzeiro getting relegated is disasters for Atletico Belo Horizonte is in the shadow of Rio and Sao Paulo it's like the the Hunger Games i don't know if you've if you watched it what's that line there? What is it? Know who the know who the real enemy is, or we're not the real enemy, or something like that. They, they, yeah, go yeah. Cruze, Cruzeiro is not the real enemy. The real enemy, and South Paulo, from the perspective of Minas ice and on to football, they need the two clubs to push each other on. If one goes down, uh, it, it, it's not healthy at all.
2: No, absolutely, and and, and you know, and as I said, I used Natal as the example, I think it works both ways. Listen, we're, we're moving on in time, I just want to have a quick run with the international break coming up, uh, I know it's a bit impromptu, but I'll ask you, what have you made of, of Dunga's selection, how do you see the, the games going for them?
4: Uh, I think they will be better than they were in the which is which is not a not a huge achievement because I was, I was in Chile for that no. tournament and, and Brazil were, were woeful. They'll they'll be the they'll be the, the team in, in Dunga's image that they they they, they they've have been for, for, for most of his his, his team is his time in charge. Full of eager runners. Um fast fast in the counter attack as, as as Tim Vickery always beating beating rather than 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 than, than an overall kind of flow or, or or any kind of attacking attacking a land. But um, Neymar, they'll they'll struggle for goals. Uh, I, 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 I see. I'll go for a draw in Chile, which is a pretty good result actually, considering the the, the form of the Copa America and uh, a narrow win in the, the second game in, in the fourth against, uh, place against Venezuela, isn't it? I think am I right?
2: Yeah, it's Venezuela. That's correct. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. So yeah. I, so I think no. I think uh, functional and. and, and reasonably effective without making anyone forget 1982 or 1970.
2: Yeah, uh, were you surprised that Dunga got away? Because I, I was quite surprised he got away sort of scot-free from criticism, considering what went on in Chile and how poor they were. And there was never a question mark over him, James. And I, I always wondered about that, you know, because you think about the modern-day football, especially in Brazil, where they just dump managers left, right and centre.
4: But yeah, Dunga seemed unquestioned, and, and that, that seemed pretty rare. I think that the Copa America is a, is, a, is, a, is a funny tournament. I mean, it's one of those ones you get very excited if you win, but, but people don't seem to lose a huge amount of sleep if they, if they, if they don't do that well. Um, it's probably sort of overshadowed by, by World Cup qualifying and obviously by the World Cup itself. So, people, a lot of Brazilians will say we don't care about the Copa America, we don't really take it seriously. Uh, some of my um, also, I mean, I don't know how much this goes through the, the 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 minds of the the great thinkers of the CBF, but the options on the options uh, on offer are are, are pitiful. Um, Brazil is really struggling. Has has always really struggled for for, for managers, but at the moment, uh, I mean, the options are, are are incredibly limited. You would you would hope it would be uh, someone like Tite or Marcel Oliveira, but both those 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 uh, managers are very happy at their. At their clubs, and and then show no sign of um. No sign they were sort of they would, they would uh, if they were considered they would they would they would leap at the the job. So you have you really haven't got very much much option ever since they 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 kind of turned down or 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 or, or turned their noses up at the idea of a foreign manager and uh, uh, particularly someone like Guardiola. You're left with with Brazilian Brazilian club managers, and then even T T and Marcelo Leveria, if they they're the strongest candidates. They're, 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 only, their, their experience is fairly limited. They're, they're, they're only good club managers on, 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 at this stage. Uh, because, because Brazil, as you talked about Brazil, Brazil, they, they, they sack their managers so quickly and, and it's impossible. There's a, one of my favorite managers is, uh, is, is Dad Cabocanchi who I have to know at, uh, at Santa when he was there for a year. He's now at Paisandu doing it, doing a good job. He's 34 or 35. He's had 10 different teams in his career. You know, no. you take them, and you can, you know, and you exactly, and you can imagine what that does to the confidence of a young manager. Who's going to do an experiment tactically? Who's going to to, to 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 instigate a long-term project? Who's going to, to make sweeping changes or create a team in his own image when you know you're going to get sacked after three or four games? You know, you're you're fast you th- constantly.
2: No, do you think it's now time? You know, you mentioned the Guardiola thing um, as well, and the fact that they, they wouldn't entertain it. You know, at some point, I think with Brazil having fallen so far behind the game, basically, you, you know, they used to be undisputed champions. Now there's there's a lot of question marks over them. I feel it's the time that they maybe should look outside Brazil. As you have as you rightly pointed out there quite clearly, there's not a great selection of experience and, and you know, hardened managers. And, you know, th- th- this country th- thrives on football and thrives on their national team being successful but they can't seem to stomach that change. What do you, what do you think would cause, how many years of, of mediocrity do you think it's going to take before they actually catch on, that they need to look outside the borders of Brazil for, their, for, for management?
4: Well, I think this, this thing we mentioned before about the, the, the European football and the Champions League and so on being, being, being readily available, Brazilian TV screens, which it wasn't in the past, I think that's a huge, uh, that's a huge um, uh, influencing factor uh, there's a journalist here called Paulo Vinicius Cuelo, uh, who works. Who, he's, he worked right for the Folio Sao Paulo. And I remember during the, the, one the Champions League, uh, Champions League final was on, and he kind of exhorted people to to watch it in his column, saying, uh, "Watch the league, uh, watch the Champions League final, and don't feel guilty. You're a citizen of You're a citizen of the world. It's Brazilian football that isn't." So I mean that, that tells you so much about the mentality because there is an insular mentality. There is kind of the old. I know. I know Certainly had this in England. I don't know if, if other countries are quite the same. But there's the very kind of uh, slightly jingoistic kind of uh, campaign. What do we need a foreigner for? Or, or, or what, what can what can a foreigner teach us? Which is of course quite ironic when, when you're in England. <laughs> Brazilians Brazilians love to say we're 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 uh, we're pentacampeón. We're the five times World Cup winners. What could it t- what could a foreigner teach us? And that goes that goes through from a lot of fans and certainly up to the to the kind of old old dinosaurs that that, that run the CBF and that was that was their, their, exactly their um their, their, their rhetoric after even after the seven one Marco Polo Del Nero said uh, said uh, what did he say did he say, say, say Philip or something like that or, or, or I don't I know we didn't want to sack him, we wanted to keep him, he wanted to keep Philippo in in, in in charge after the, the, the annihilation against Germany. And then they they turned their noses up at uh, up at Guardiola, and I think it's almost twice because it certainly happened before them as well. And um, and just this, this and the, even even this the seven one again was described as a blip. So there is this kind of head in the sand attitude, where even though the um, there's a growing chorus, and the, the, the feeding was I think almost productive because it gave gave weight, really really, really proved that these journalists and these critics. We're right because you know they, they finally said, "Look, we told you, we told you this was going to happen. You said everything was fine; it wasn't. Look how look how bad things are." But that message hasn't got through to the CBF. The CBF still think everything is fine, even as they're all being merrily led off to jail.
2: Well, I th- I th- you know, it's, it's just basically a symptom of the whole country as a whole and, and, and how it's run from business right away through to football. You, you know, it, it's it's protectionism. You know, the whole country in its commerce protects itself, you know, with mm-hmm. the, 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 the taxes that are that are put on anything that comes into the country as an import. And, and I see it the same now developing in football where, where with, you know, they're going to stand still because they can't open their minds to, to, to allow a different way of thinking, to, to allow Brazil to return to the top of football. And for me, it's so destroying, you know, because I came here with, with a very romantic notion of, of Brazilian football and just to have a dash really. You know, it certainly wasn't... I don't, I don't know about you, you're, you're I'm here five years, you're here ten. um mm. Maybe it was a bit different for you. Certainly at, at that stage, Brazil were certainly a bit higher as a national team. But I expected to come here and see, you know, bright young players coming through. And I was so disappointed because none of that exists. And then you moved to the national team. We had the World Cup coming up, and you, you thought, "Oh, you know, they're at home; they're they're, they're bound to win." Uh, you know, or they'd be being around it, and there was a shout. And to be honest with you, it, it, it's amazing because Brazilians are not uneducated in football. You know, they they do know their football, and it's just amazing to me that they cannot see the benefit of maybe looking outside their own their own borders to to, to enhance success. It just seems madness.
4: Yeah. Yep. Do you, I mean, on a sort of wider note, I mean, i I think Brazil, Brazilian football, definitely leads to some kind of uh, influx of ideas from 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 outside. But I'm, I've never really been uh, in favour of the idea of foreign international managers. Not in terms of football. Clearly, clearly it's hugely beneficial to, to to the teams in question most of the time. But don't don't you think that uh, international football is uh, is supposed to represent the footballing strength of that nation? whether it's the players or the manager and, uh, and not kind of the footballing strengths of that nation plus a really good manager from somewhere else. Well, it depends so big on your
2: resources. Big advocate for a second. No, absolutely. But I hear where you're coming from. But for, for my money, it depends on your resources. You know, certainly if you mm. don't have the, and, and you know, you clearly put it there, put it so well that, that these managers are not experienced. They don't have the experience in high levels of competition. And then you throw them in, you know, they're, they're going to get their way through a World Cup qualifier, no problem. But the moment you put them into the major tournament, the minute you turn the heat up, these boys could crack. And I think that's, yeah. that for me is, is the disappointment. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's a, but for me, I think it's a frustration as well because you, you know yourself, you know the region I live in, and, and the people here deserve a, a bit of a break. They deserve to be happy about something, and, and football has that effect up here. And, yeah. and, and to see people so down and, and gutted with with Brazil's results. You know, it's it's just something I wish I could, I could change for them. But I do think after five years here that, that it's something that they should maybe think of. And plus the fact what you've got to remember is you can bring the likes of a Guardiola in. You can have his number two as a Brazilian who's going to, to shadow him, who's going to learn his trade, who's going to pick up the tr- tricks of the trade to maybe follow him and then pass that knowledge, you know, True. onwards, f- forwards. And I, I think that's the way forward. You, you know, maybe a short-term fix rather than, you know, from now on we're going to look abroad. I, th- I think it's something that Brazil needs to do to, to, because it, its status as a football nation, as I see it, and I don't know whether you would agree with this or not, James. I see it as being reduced year on year.
4: Oh, for sure, for sure. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put Brazil as, as favourites to win a major tournament uh, at the moment.
2: You know, you, you look at a quarterfinal, semifinal. Okay, yeah, maybe they're going to get there, but you just don't, you just don't feel that that, that you you know that, that, that the impetus is there in the team. The, the belief is there anymore. You know, they used to play this lovely, expansive Samba football, smile on the face. There's no smile on the face even anymore. You know, Brazil needs to, to, no, to go no, back. I know, yeah. No, oh no, no, Christ, no, no, certainly not with Dunga. Listen, Armando, you have not ha- said a word. Have you anything to add on this before we move on to the top 100?
3: Yeah, I think on the thought of uh, national coaches representing their national teams, I think it's good to have a foreigner per se because you take out the emotion. And there's enough pressure, I think, mm. on national sides with with the overbearing, you know, especially in like Brazil or Mexico or football mad countries. There's enough pressure on these managers, whether they're foreigner or not. And I think if you're foreigner, you can take yourself out of that a little bit, and and uh, you don't feel the pressure of being the national team coach. I think in Brazil, it's a really big deal. And like you said, they're the five-time World Cup champion and this and that. And I think every day, Dunga has to look himself in the morning and ask himself if he's good enough to do that and if he's strong enough to you know, withhold that type of pressure. So for me, I do like to see, you know, sometimes it's good to see the manager plucked from outside resources and from outside nations because, you know, you're building the game and that's great and all, but sometimes the pressure, I think, can be too much for national coaches coaching their own national team.
4: I think that, that certainly would have been interesting. Interesting in the World Cup, I, I agree with you because, uh, Scolari really struggled with the whole, uh, the whole circus and the pressure and, uh, and, and, and really, I think really hung his team out to dry to a certain extent because they were, they were emotionally cracking under the strain.
3: Exactly. With the,
4: the, the, the tears before every game and, 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 and just the general level of hysteria then when Neymar got injured and in this, this persecution complex that, that, that Scolari and, and had invented, uh, that, you know, that someone out there doesn't want us to win the World Cup. And you're going, come on, lads, <laughs> there isn't, you know. But
2: he did. Skilharry did exactly the same whenever he was at Chelsea. He just, he couldn't handle the scrutiny. He couldn't handle any kind of press yeah. pressure. How long did he last? Oh, it was, I think it was about three to six months. So it was nothing more. Yeah. Armando, just one question for you. I take it historically, Mexico have never strayed outside for, for an outside manager. It's always been homegrown.
3: Uh, we 've had an Argentinian or two, really, but to be quite fair but we 're not opposed to being outside the box recently we 've made uh you know. We're looking at Osorio now and and Bielsa was somebody that was talked about. And even the uh, job was even, you know, offered to Klopp and stuff. And Klopp turned that down, obviously. You know, it's not on his level. But they're not afraid to expand outside the box. And I think for Mexico, it's more important to get a big name established, regardless of his nationality, uh, to progress the game forward. Because I think we've tried time and again with national coaches, much like El Pio Herrera, who would recently lost his job. And, And again, pressure plays a lot in that but I do think that like a Bielsa or like somebody outside would come in and, and not feel that type of pressure and be able to expand our football because sometimes I feel like that is an issue
2: mm-hmm. no uh, uh, absolutely and and you know as I say I, I just think it's the way forward for Brazil but listen chaps time has marched on us and we'll need to move on to our top 100 picks who have you got for us tonight Mr. Angelo
3: uh, I'm going to go with uh, Quadwo Poku. He's a player that uh, is playing for New York City FC. He's a 23-year-old midfielder who uh, is of Ghanaian descent, and he played in the second division last year for uh, the Razorbacks in the NASL. But he's somebody that's really proved to be a very strong point and proved to be a good outlet for David Villa, Frank Lampard and players like that and he's really making an impact and at that age he's he he has still the chance to play for either Ghana or the U.S. and he's holding out for the U.S. and getting good playing time and hopefully he can do that a player I'm really impressed with
2: I don't know that one I must take a look at that one uh James yourself who have you picked as as your top 100 pick and, and your reason for it
4: well, I'm going to uh, go with someone slightly unusual. Uh, he's a he's a young attacking midfielder, pastry. Uh I'm sure you've seen him play a few times. He's a terrific player, very, very uh, exciting going forward, creative, imaginative, pacey, can can beat a man. But more importantly than any of that, uh, he looks almost exactly like uh, early 1980s, I think it is, if my, 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 my ear is correct, uh, Prince. He has a... A bizarre. <laughs> You're not bizarre far <laughs> no, exactly. A bizarre kind of perm flowing 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 black locks. Uh Prince style sallow skin. Uh a, a spectacular set of set of set of gnashers adorned by uh by, by, by braces. And uh he's a he's a very striking looking young man and uh his uh his I think both his image and his look and his his football will go far. You should check him out, at uh, Valdivia International, and uh, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> uh,
2: does he sing purple rain? No.
4: <laughs> I almost. I mean, this is this is this is not a, this is nothing to do with my my sexual fantasies, one way or the other. But I often uh, <laughs> do imagine him coming in. But, you know, with, you know, in some kind of Prince's Bizarre stage or it's like a leather thong or something and then, and then playing the <laughs> electric funk solo or something like that.
3: What what'd you say his name is?
4: Davis? I got to check this guy out. Uh, Valdivia, V-A-L-D-I-V-I-A.
3: I'm going to look this up just because I have to. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, after all that,
2: I'm going dead boring this time because I've been coming up with sort of novel ones recently, but I'm not. I'm going to go with Sergio Aguero. Uh, for obvious reasons He scored five there the weekend And to me he's just on fire at the minute Absolutely on fire Best, best striker possibly well Top three striker in the world at the minute Absolutely outstanding uh, God I shouldn't use that word Outstanding uh, But as I say just really he's, he's a player I've always admired He's a, he's a player I wish Liverpool had signed Whenever he was back uh, in Argentina And we looked at him And, and uh, he was the one that got away Absolutely superb player Don't need to say any more than that um, so has anybody got any plugs that they want? James, yourself, what are you writing at the minute? Is there anything you want to plug? Where can we find your work?
4: Uh, I have a little book uh, that, that, that people might find interesting. It's a, a collection of short stories based on, on life in Recife and a, a few of the adventures I, I, I had when I was up there. It's called A Beer Before Lunch. Right. It's a quote from a song by Chico Science and... Nassau Zumbi which is a beer before lunch is is very good for helping you think better so that was the the inspiration for the title and you can you can read it on amazon so it's a beer before lunch
2: and, and what is take it as just sort of a, a light-hearted look around receive at, at, at the madness basically
4: <laughs> no it, it is short stories um sort of vaguely fictional partly partly autobiographical um yeah yeah looking look aspects of Recife life and so on but i, I think I, I did my best to try and capture the the spirit of the city because it is a is a kind of a intoxicating place
2: oh absolutely and it's one of my favorite cities i, I really enjoy receive uh, so it 's only four hours away from me here we 'll go down there quite recent, or quite uh, often uh, what about have you got anything else uh, on the go for football or anything any any, any websites you want to plug that you 're riding on or anything like that
4: and it 's just a couple of articles um That'll be one on Sports Illustrated about the, uh, the the South American qualifying. I think that's coming out next week on on their website. And yeah, just my, my Twitter's uh, at Sea of Darkness, so you can uh, you can sort of find out what I, what I'm, what I'm writing on there.
2: That's brilliant. And Armando yourself, I know you're you're well busy with other commitments at the minute, but have you anything coming up for us?
3: Yeah, for those that are interested in baseball, baseball is about to head into the playoffs this week. And uh, we have a pod I'm recording tomorrow with my co-host Justin Wells. And uh, for the 7th Inning Stretch podcast, if you guys want to check that out, it's on the Anfield Index app. And uh, we'll be recording and covering all things postseason. So if you guys are interested in that, please do follow uh, the podcast and do check us out on uh, the AI Channel app.
2: That's great, man. Listen, and just to mention that app again, free to download, uh, lots of content on there, every sport under the sun, TV, movies, God, they've even got games on there now. Uh, Well worth the download, free download. And for me, I've got uh, loads of rugby pods done recently uh, for the Rugby World Cup, another one coming up hopefully early this week, reviewing uh, the All Blacks and uh, England going out and Ireland winning. So, So we'll be back, should be about Wednesday for that. Uh, but other than that, nothing more. I'd just like to give a big, big thanks to James for appearing, for giving your time. We we can't thank you enough, man. And, and you're welcome back anytime.
4: No problem. I, I enjoyed every minute. Thank you for having me on.
2: No, it was a real, real pleasure. I'm sure Armando as well. I'll echo that. Real pleasure having you on. Absolutely. And the same to yourself. Same to yourself, Armando. Thanks so much for you. you were very quiet on it tonight. For you, for, for you, you were very quiet on it. I was. But a, listen,
3: time it. I was a sponge, man. You guys were great, great bit of information. And yeah, James, thank you ever so much for for coming on, man. And hopefully we can have you on again. Cheers, Armando. Thanks, I appreciate that.
2: Listen, I'll say time's run away with on us again. As as always, we could sit here all night. Uh, we should be back. We had a bit of technical difficulties. That's why there was delay in in between our last pod and this one. But we, we should be back. Normal service resumed. We're going to start a series next, hopefully, on every World Cup uh from nineteen seventy eight through to present and in, in two thousand and fourteen. Uh we've got a lot of good guests lined up for that. Uh, so I'll say that she takes up to Christmas and the start then of uh Libertadores and so on. So hopefully WFI should be going from strength to strength. And we also have a big guest coming on uh the pod in the next couple of weeks but I'm gonna keep you in suspenders for that one. Uh and you will have to wait and see. So from me, Dave Karen and Pipa, uh, and from my guests here on the podcast, just again, final thanks to James and Armando. And from everybody here, it's good night.